This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. The information presented on this program is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult an appropriate professional for guidance about your concerns. Welcome to AutoCorrect, helping you correct your auto problems. Our host is Coach Charlie Melton, ASC Certified Master Technician. I'm Liz Gill. Hello, Coach Charlie. Hello, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Hey, who's your friend? Who'd you bring in with us today? Oh, since we're going to talk about pain and body, I brought Mr. John Mosley from uh, Cleaning Body Shop. How are you doing today? I'm good, Charlie. Thank you all for having me. Great, great. We are fantastic, and we're so glad uh, to have you. So, uh, I guess paint and body and paint does it does it does it cover all imperfections or do you need to get your imperfections fixed before you start painting things you want the imperfections fixed before you start painting (laughs) because paint's only going to show up what's underneath it that's right as a matter of fact it'll make it show up a little bit more that's that's right it could be a magnifying glass well let's let's start on paint what uh, are there lots of different uh let's first let's find out when when do you need to have your car painted well, as as far as having it painted nowadays, it's mostly after a collision. You had to have uh, some paint work done. Of course, hailstorm would cause you to have a an all over or some some kind of natural disaster. But paint typically holds up pretty good now from the manufacturers. So we don't see people coming in getting all overs painted like we did back in the seventies, eighties, and nineties, and even the two thousands, because cars are so complicated now. You have to take all the trim off to do it properly, and it turns into quite an expensive process. When you're painting a vehicle, I know there is a uh, lot of different processes of how the paint's put on the vehicle. Right. Uh, I know, the, how do y'all usually put y'all's paint on? Do you just spray and boost, or how y'all do it? We have downdraft boosts, okay. and most all shops do now have downdraft boosts with heating abilities. Uh, I think probably 60% of the shops in the state are now like us spraying all waterborne products uh, instead of solvent products. It's better on the employees. Is better for the environment, and frankly, I think it holds up a lot better on the car. Yeah, you know, I see a lot of times where somebody's had their vehicle painted, and it looks like it's different colors that they said they matched it, but it really didn't match the paint they had on the vehicle. That's a skill problem. Uh, you can match colors to where you can't tell that you've been there, but I see that. I painted since I was 15 years old, so 52 years now, and uh, I see cars at red lights that you may not even notice it or, or, or the average person won't. But I see differences in the paint, and that bothers me. But that is strictly a skill. You you have to blend colors, and there's a lot of factors that get involved there. Some insurance companies don't want to pay for blends; they want to just pay to paint a panel, and and uh, some shops don't push it. So you really, if you're going, if you have a wreck, you need to make sure you go to a shop that's going to look out for your best interest, no matter who that is. And uh, do the do the repair properly, and you'll get a good paint job. Right. You know, I was thinking, what was what is so much different today than it was ten or fifteen years ago in the body shop repair? Everything's different. There's nothing the same now. Cars, most cars have aluminum construction, or at least some aluminum construction. We're seeing a lot of carbon fiber. Uh, there's much more specialized equipment that we have to have uh, just to safely work on aluminum. Of course, we have to have the new aluminum welders to make sure that we can properly weld the panels back together, and that brings on a whole other set of problems with training. Uh, you have to, The shop has to really stay on top of its training 
whether you use an ICAR, which is the industry standard, or using manufacturers' uh, specialized programs, they had to be trained to make these repairs. But now with all the electronics and the, the importance of sensors being able to be calibrated, everything has to be put back on the money, you know, to the factory specification. And so I say that uh, it's just like any automotive shop doing uh, mechanical work. You have to be trained and you have to be specialized in certain areas because everybody can't do aluminum welding. Everybody can't do plastic welding. So there's different uh, specialties in different body shops as same thing with automotive. That's true. And you're going to see more and more of that as each car becomes more complicated, especially with this, this big uh, influx of electric vehicles that we're fixing to see. Uh, you're going to see shops that specialize in two or three different makes of vehicles because quite frankly, uh, if you were going to be Mercedes certified, it would be a $200,000 investment right up front for the equipment and the training. And then there's a commitment that guys have to go to training for so many weeks a year uh, with, the, with the shop paying for that and the hotels and expenses. Uh, and it's not just them. I mean, there's several. I'm just giving an example. Right. Most all the vehicle makers have their own specialized programs now. And if you're going to be certified in these programs, then you have to stay active in it. Well, I think a lot of warranty work has to be done on vehicles. I know that every manufacturer has their standard of what they want done to their vehicle and that it has specifications and their standards and every body shop or every automotive shop has to, if they're going to work on those vehicles, have to be able to uh, produce that standard. That's exactly right. And if you can't produce that standard, when those when the uh, manufacturer sends their representative out and performs audits, they'll remove you from the program. Right. And so. a lot of things is that, Liz, we talk about safety on paint and body. Um, you can cover up a lot of stuff. Like you say, you can, you can hide things. But if you're really doing it correctly, uh, it's your reputation on the line as well because that's what people are looking at. Why would they bring it to somebody that can cover it up when somebody can fix it and do it correctly? That's right. It's your reputation and your liability, you know, as well as your conscience, If you know, if you really care about your customers. Uh, there's a case you can look up, a John Eagle, uh, it's called the John Eagle Collision Case, where a, a dealership shop in Dallas didn't, didn't repair the car to Honda standards. He, he took some shortcuts that his insurance company liked, and the car was in another wreck after that, and, and the man and lady driving it almost got killed. The man was burned so bad that he stayed in a burn center for three years, and he wound up being a, a I want to say, $50, $60 million verdict against the body shop. But the insurance company just said, hey, they were the experts. They should have fixed it right. But yet they pushed these cheap, fast repairs. So you have to be careful. I mean, there's a lot of things to consider. Uh, the main thing you want to do is if you've got to choose a body shop, you want, to, you want to see if they have a website, see what they stand for, see what certifications that they're pursuing or they already have, see what kind of training, and see what people say. And talk to your neighbors. Talk to your family. See who's used them or or whatever. So you recommend the consumer to go out and talk to the body shop or the automotive shop, talk to them and get to meet who's in charge and see what they're really all about because really time they're not all about what they look like. Absolutely. Have them show you the repair process and ask questions. You know, ask things like, am I going to get a printout showing that uh, my, my four-wheel alignment has been, has been restored? Or are you going to show me what my frame specs are when you got through to show me that it's back to the uh, factory dimensions? Uh, and I want a copy of all my scans because if you don't do a scan before and after, you don't really know what all has been triggered in the accident uh, that, that could be a problem waiting. If you don't do a scan afterwards, you don't know if you corrected all the problems. 
And when you're talking about a scan, you're talking about putting a scan tool on it, reading the codes that's in the uh, computer, and making sure all that is repaired before letting it go back out. Absolutely. Make sure those scan, all that's repaired, and make sure that all those sensors are calibrated, calibrated properly because you don't, want to be, you don't want to have a customer driving down the road and a sensor out of calibration thinking that the car coming up beside you is about to hit you and swerve you over into the – there's been some accidents like that. So scans are real important. I think you just had a show on that the other uh, couple of weeks ago about the different safety uh, sensors and all on cars. Well, that's going to be next week. Oh, next week. We're going to okay, do that right. next okay. week. We Today we're talking about paint and body with our guest, John Mosley from Clinton Body Shop. If you have a question, we'd love for you to contact us by email. Our address is auto at mpbonline.org. Let's go ahead and take our first call. We're going to talk to Francis in Natchez. Francis, what's your question or comment today uh, for our guests and for Coach Charlie? Uh, thanks for having me on, Coach. Uh, question, uh, this just came into my mind. Uh, you got a car, say it's uh, 15 years old. The color is going to change a little bit. I mean, and if they match it to it, you got a new color going against the old color. You know, will it fade out or will it be the same? And my next question is, uh, people going into gas stations, I've always heard this, whenever you see the tanker truck there, don't get any gas because the sediments in the bottom of the tank could get into your car and mess your filter up. And the third one is, I got a 1997 Dodge Ram pickup truck. It will go into gear, shift into gear, but four-wheel drive will not engage. Okay, let's talk about the fuel first. Uh, you know, they are putting fuel down in there. It does mix that uh, gas up when you're putting it down in. That fuel does mix up. It starts turning. But you always got to think about these filters that they put in the cars. They no longer put an inline filter. They put them in the tank now. Yeah. And that fuel is... You know, it's really strained and filtered pretty good so you don't get trash up in there. And like I say, it's just like anything else. You can't – there are some times that there may be a little trash in there, but most of the time that stuff's filtered pretty good coming from the uh, plant as well because they have all those filters on that before they put them in those trucks. You know, so you just – you know, I, I've always never really thought about that, but, you know, it could cause a problem if you – if they had some bad gas. Yes. Well, what I was thinking about with the bill up – of trash and sediment around the filter in the tank wouldn't the filter eventually one day get stopped up you don't see that uh like you used to on these inline filters really what happens in there you're really the problem you have is that if any just say you got anything that gets through the system it's really going to stop up an injector or something like that it's really not going to but you barely see that anymore Gotcha. You know, and then uh, I'm going to let John talk about this one about your paint fading. John, you want to talk about that 15-year paint? Sure. If any time you have older paint, you have to compensate for what the environment has done to it. And like you said, it may look it may look lighter. Sometimes it'll actually look darker. But uh, most shops now either have or have access to a spectrophotometer, which is a camera that sees color. So when you bring the vehicle in, when the painter looks at it, he's going to put that camera on it, take four or five different shots, uh, plug it into a computer, and it's going to give you a, a, a blendable match. It may not be a perfect match, but then that's where the painter skill has to come in. He has to know how to tint that and how far to blend it uh, to take your eye away from that to where you can't see that difference. Right, because if you own the vehicle, you're, drunk, you're really going to know where it was painted, but 
for the, someone who didn't know the vehicle really ain't going to pay much attention to that right. unless it's real obvious. Yeah, you just you just you want to always try to get it to where that if, if that you can't see it, the painter. If you can't see it uh, and you painted it, nobody else is going to see it. And you do that to protect the, the value and the investment in the vehicle for the consumer. Uh, if he goes to trade his vehicle in, he doesn't want to pull up in the lot and they say, "Well, look here, it's been wrecked. It don't even match." That is true. Yeah, so. That's true. Now, on your uh, four-wheel drive situation, what was that problem again that you're having? I got a, a 1997 Dodge Ram, and uh, it has a manual ship in the floor. And uh, four-wheel drive just stopped working one day. It will ship into gear. It will go into gear, but it will not engage. Okay, well, first thing I would do, if it has, it sounds like it has a linkage on it, I would look at that linkage and see if it's going all the way into gear. Uh, because, like I say, if you can push it into gear and it goes all the way in, that uh, transfer is going to be turning. So what I would do is go automatically check the linkage going down there to that transfer case and see if it's engaging completely. And you could even take the linkage off and do it with your hand and see. Because, like I say, that 97, it may not have a motor. It may, since you're doing just linkage. Gotcha. Thanks a lot, Coach. I appreciate it so much for calling. So here's some recent recalls, and I, I guess the folks at NHTSA must be back from summer vacation because they finally listed a few of the recalls this week. The 22 Grand Cherokees and 2122 Grand Cherokees LS SUVs are being recalled for damaged taillights. The 2012 and 13 Kia Optima sedans are being recalled for interior roof defects. And the 19 and through 22 Mitsubishi Outlander Sports are being recalled for a stalling issue. You can find out if your car has a past recall by going to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration website, NHTSA, nhtsa.gov slash recall, and just put in your VIN or find their Safer Car app. Okay, John, need your help. Just got my new, my new wheels, my new Honda, and, you know, it looks so pretty. What can I do to keep it looking that factory nice? The ultimate thing you can do is to put a ceramic coating on it. And a ceramic coat is different from the old waxes where you had to wax them every 90 days or so. With a good ceramic coating, you put it on one time, you're done for several years, uh, and then maintain it the way that uh, each ceramic manufacturer says to maintain that coating. But it's a real simple process once you get it done. It gives you good ultraviolet protection. Uh, gives you good protection from bugs and stuff that can't stick to it. You can get it covered with love bugs and rinse it off with a water hose. When it rains, it looks like you just went, went through a car wash. So, uh, and, it, and it's not just cars. It's boats, motorcycles. Uh, around here, if you put a boat in the water, you get a scum line, right, when you take the boat out. Well, that can't stick to the ceramic, so the boat stays clean all the time. And it does the same thing for your car. The grime and dirt and tar and stuff on the road will just wash right off of it because it can't adhere. So we're saying that different manufacturers have a different process. You know, if it's Honda, if it's Chevrolet, they have a different type of coating they can put on these vehicles? That That is usually uh, strictly dependent on what dealer you go to. Each dealer makes his own connections with his aftermarket sources. Like, no, no manufacturer that I know of has their own ceramic coating or their own wax. They're just they're strictly whoever is marketing that dealer. Uh, and they look at whatever they make the most money on, what they think will work good. But quite honestly, some of it is 
is way overpriced. Some of it is a good value. You just have to look around. And I would never just make a commitment. I would call around and just see what shops offer ceramic coatings, uh, what detail services. There's several in the Jackson area now. And, uh, and see what kind they use and what the guarantees are. Yeah, I think that's what our listeners need to know is that when you go to a dealership, it doesn't matter who or where the dealership is, make sure that you know what they're talking about when you go into that dealership to buy that new car because what they offer may not really be what you need at the time. Absolutely. Uh, there are some things that you may pay three prices for, and, and there are some things that are really good value. I'm not giving a dealer Probably, a hard yeah, time yes. by any means, but I'm just saying you have to be careful because there are things that you may pay a lot of money for that you really don't need you know, or that you could do better with independently. Now, is a ceramic coating something that you only get at a specialized dealer, or if I go to the shop, can I find a ceramic coating in a spray can that I could do myself? No, you a real ceramic coating you're not going to find in a spray. Now, it, there are ceramic sprays, and they, and they work good, but they'll only give you about 90 days' worth of protection. To get real protection, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to put a, uh, a ceramic coating on, kind of like a wax, but it's a different application process, but it'll last for years. And then you can protect that coating with those sprays. That just helps build it a little, build a little more uh, ceramic on it, and it keeps it easy to clean because a good ceramic, the only way you'll take it off is sand it off, buff it off with a coarse compound, or constantly abrading it, washing it, trying to get bugs off and stuff, and, uh, and you'll wear it down. But if you use a little bit of ceramic spray on top of it three or four times a year, you'll never wear it down, and your car will look good for years. All so right. it's not Rain-X that we're putting that, on right, that right, comes right, on right. all the yeah. okay. Let's go to the phones. We've got Bobby, who's called in from Pontotoc County. Bobby, thanks for calling in to AutoCorrect today. What's your comment or question? I've got three questions. Uh, one of them, I keep hearing people say that they're putting plastic carburetors on lawnmowers and them things is dangerous. Is that true? Plastic carburetors? On a lawnmower. No, I haven't seen any of those. I uh, They may have some plastic parts on them where they put the levers and stuff like that, but I've never seen a solid plastic carburetor because, once again, gas and plastic don't work really well together. Well, I had a lawnmower I bought, and it caught on fire. It just caught on fire and burned up one day when I was trying to crank it, and they told me that was a plastic carburetor on there. Well, I wouldn't have bought it, like you say, <laughs> not a plastic carburetor. What's number two, Bobby? Uh, I got two more questions. What, uh, what's the advantage of aluminum body over a metal or over a steel body? Well, the reason the manufacturers are going to aluminum is twofold. One is the aluminum is much lighter than the steel, and the federal government, as you may well or may not know, they have pressure on the OEMs to increase the miles per gallon on the vehicles, and I think 2027 is the next big milestone. So they're they're using more and more lightweight materials, uh, and then the constructions that they had, the construction techniques that they had developed using aluminum are proven to be much safer in some of the heavy crashes. So they're doing it for safety and for fuel efficiency. Well, I used to have a steel tower on my CB, and now it was a hundred foot, and I had to have guy wires. And now I got a, a aircraft aluminum on a tower, and it's a hundred foot, and it don't have no uh, guy wires. How come that? I have no idea. <laughs> it's just stronger, I reckon. I wonder, is there a difference between aircraft aluminum and the other kind? There is, the, the difference in real aircraft aluminum and the aluminum like we see on cars, and I can speak to this because we work on airplanes. We have an aircraft refinishing and repair facility also. 
but aircraft aluminum is tempered, so it's, it it doesn't tolerate heat and repair as well as the as the vehicles do. Like these new Ford trucks, people think it says aircraft grade aluminum, but it says military grade, right? And it's nothing like aircraft aluminum. It's not that tempered type metal. So we'll we we'll see a a Ford F one fifty that may go through a car wash. And it hits the car washes out of time, and it hits the mirror, and then it ripped the whole door skin off. Right. You know, we've seen a lot of that. So there is a difference in aircraft aluminum and the regular aluminum. Well, I, they told me this tower I got was aircraft aluminum. The reason I didn't have no guy The reason I didn't have to have guy wires, I knew I used to have a steel tower, and I had to have guy wires to keep it from buckling. But I figured aircraft aluminum must be stronger than steel. Well, Bobby, what's your third question? Uh, that was it. I, I just want that's all of them right there then. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you so much for calling. Thank you. You know, you talk about going going through a car wash. What is what do you do for your vehicles? Do you wash it in the driveway? Do you do a hand wand or do you go through with the the brushes and the moppy things? I hand wash them. And the good thing, I keep all my stuff ceramic coated, so I pretty much can rinse it off. But we we hand wash ours. You know, I did have a vehicle I took to a car wash, and it took the Mercedes emblem off the back of the car. That brush came up and just took it off, you know, because a lot of those emblems and all, a lot of those things that we're putting on cars now are made of plastic. Okay, don't it looks chrome, but it's not chrome. No, and, it's, and they're glued on rather than being uh, fastened on with fasteners and things like that. And that's, you know, I'm not giving car washes a hard time because touchless car washes do a pretty good job. But when the when the rollers or things get out of time, just like the damage it did to that emblem, think what it was doing, the pressure it was putting on your deck lid and on your paint with those rollers. And if that if somebody just went through there with a four wheel drive truck that's all muddy, and then you go through your Mercedes, you know you wind up with a light scratches and stuff. And right. You know I got a um, call from somebody the other day. I was uh, they wanted information about they were getting water all in their vehicle. Okay, when a heavy rain. And he said he checked the heater coil. There was no water coming on there. They checked the sunroof. There was no uh, water coming there. And like I was telling them, I, it's, the vehicle was 11 years old, and he was talking about, I was telling them that water could come by the sill of that windshield because it has molding on it and you can't see it. And how often do you see that? You don't You don't see that much anymore because everything is your thing in now. Mm-hmm. So you see very few windshield leaks. What you do see, and they're hard to diagnose sometimes, but if it has a sunroof, eight times out of ten, the sunroof drains are going to be the culprit, and it's really an easy fix, but you just have to know where to, where to go and look look down those uh, the tubes, you know, the, the front pillars on the roof uh, where the sunroofs typically drain right. and make sure those tubes are unstopped. And the other thing is you hardly ever see a heater core leak anymore, right. but we'll still see air conditioning leaks because your air conditioner has to drip water when it's hot. Well, when it's dripping that water... It's just natural that those slime and stuff is going to build right. up in there, and it'll get stopped up, and that's a real easy fix, too. So well, that's I the two to, things we see. Yeah, I tried to tell that guy that, I said, are you sure it's not your sunroom? I said, it had vents, just like we were talking about. It has drains on it, and he says, I've already checked those. But working on cars as uh, the paint and body, you know, it takes uh, somebody special to paint it. It takes somebody special to do the body work. You know, um, how about how do you do these safety features? How, do you have all the stuff to calibrate each one of them when you put that vehicle after it's been a bad collision? Well, you're, I'm here to talk about everybody in general, but at our shop, we have most of that. Uh, nobody has it all because each manufacturer can have can require so much. 
So what you what you should do is when you repair the car and you're finished with it, sometimes we had to take it to the dealer and have a post-repair scan done right. so we know what we're dealing with up front. When we think we're finished with it, we take it back to the dealer and have a, uh, you know, an, a, well, we do a pre-repair scan and a post-repair scan. Do the pre-repair scan first and then take it to the dealer and make sure that the dealer can clear all those codes and that there's not another sensor or something like that that has shown up, you know, to be bad or out of calibration. Right. So but we can do about 75% of it, but there's always going to be some stuff that, you know, that you can't do without going to the dealer. Okay. All right. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. we got to take another break. We've got a new car review from Casey Williams coming up. This is AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. The vehicle we have this week gives you most of the capability for a 4x4 truck and all the looks, but without all the penalties. It's the 2022 Nissan Frontier Pro-X. The Frontier was completely redesigned for 2022. It's a little bit bigger, a little tougher looking, a little roomier inside. But the Pro-X has the big black grille, has the black alloy wheels with the mud tires, and all the bed lining. I think it looks really cool. Moving inside, you've got heated leather seats, a heated steering wheel, Fender audio system, and all the crash avoidance systems. Underneath the hood, you still get all the power you need. It's a 3.8 liter V6, connects to a nine speed automatic transmission, and delivers 310 horsepower. Fuel economy is just a couple ticks better than the four wheel drive model at 18 city, 24 highway. So what's all this gonna cost you? Well, the Frontier starts under $29,000. This one comes in at $44,270. See the full video on his YouTube channel, Auto Casey, and listen to AutoCorrect on the MPB Think Radio YouTube channel. The information presented on this program is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult an appropriate professional for guidance about your concerns. We do hope that you've downloaded our app for your smartphone, the MPB Public Media app. Uh, just the, yes, this morning I was walking my dog and there was a program that was on too late. <laughs> I couldn't stay up to listen to. So I listened to it on the app while I was uh, walking my dog. But you can also click that support button to make a contribution to Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Remember, AutoCorrect is heard on MPB Think Radio Thursdays at 10 a.m. with a replay Saturdays at 11. Here we go again. It's like Groundhog Day here, folks. The Mississippi Department of Transportation is going to close all lanes of Interstate 20 westbound. So that's if you're going to Vicksburg and Interstate 55 southbound. So if you're going to Macomb in Jackson, and this is going to be Saturday morning, August 13th, starting at 430 in the morning to perform maintenance repairs on a roadway dip. So it's supposed to last 48 hours, but I think they went pretty quick the last time. It was a lot shorter. So during the closure, the I-20 westbound, which is also 55 southbound, you're going to have to go all the way around to 20. So if uh, you're in Terry and you want to go to the outlets at Pearl, you're going to have to go via Ridgeland and go all the way around. around. Or if you're in... uh, if you're in uh, Brandon and you want to go over to uh, Clinton, you're going to have to go up through Ridgeland to go around to get that way. We're talking about paint and body today, so send us your emails to our email address, auto at 
mpbonline.org. We were talking about the, the, the calibration of device and the, all of the, the safety mechanisms in your car. Um, you know, I had thought we'd had a, a windshield guy on here a couple of years ago. We might, you know, and they were talking about all of the safety things in the windshield. But I think mine, it has a box where the rear view mirror is. And I'm wondering, it, could my things be in the box or is it in the windshield and I just don't know it? No, you're, all your sensors are in that box that you're seeing behind your windshield. So it's looking through your windshield. And that's why now most of the OEMs are requiring that you put in a, most of the OEMs. And I, when I say OEM, I'm talking about the original equipment manufacturer. So if you have a Honda, like you said, then Honda wants you to use a Honda glass back in it because that glass is guaranteed to be the right thickness, the right clarity for that sensor to be able to operate properly. Uh, when you have a windshield replaced, then there's a calibration that has to take place. And you see some of these commercials where these guys say, hey, we, we come out, we put it in, we calibrate it. If you read the requirements to properly calibrate any of these cars, they have to be on a flat, firm level surface. Uh, there are targets that have to be put up, and and it's a it's a synchronized process that has to happen. And you can't do that on the side of the road putting windshields in. I mean, they take a stab at it, but I firmly believe the uh, the makers of the vehicle that the only way to get a true calibration is to is to do it the way the manufacturer said it has to be done. Oh, so are is this is this putting these folks out of business that come to your house and replace your windshield if you've got all these fancy pants things? It's not putting them out of business because insurance companies are still pushing them and and they still offer a cheaper glass than the OEM, but it's creating some problems for the consumer and uh these guys are trying to calibrate them, but like I say if you if you can't do it in that controlled environment then you don't know that you're getting a true and proper calibration because the problem is you as a consumer will never know until until you have a problem. It's not going to light a light up and tell you that something's out of calibration usually because there's hundreds of things now that can can cause a problem, and they right. just can't. They had to have a, a dash big as a football field to light all those lights up. So you just had to know that it was scanned and calibrated properly. Well, I got a good one for you here, John. You know, we used to uh, aim headlights. And would be in a cinder block wall, and you could aim your headlights to those cinder blocks. No longer can you do that. You had to have targets. And what he's talking about, you have these targets you put up, and they have to be within the specifications. Absolutely. Oh, okay. All right. Well, times change. Here's yes. Times change. Let's go to Paris and talk with Cynthia. Cynthia, we're so glad you've called into AutoCorrect today when our guest is John Mosley from Clinton auto body but coach charlie is here for your comments and questions too so what have you got going first of all i appreciate your show and my question is what is a good way to make the lens over your headlights clear up all right you're already scratchy and milky john what can we do you can, you can take it to a body shop or a detail shop, and everybody knows now how to water sand those lights down, uh, polish them out, and you can even you can put a clear coat on top of them. That'll help a lot. Now, once that lens, once that lens does uh, turn yellow, uh, no matter what the shop does or what you try to do to restore it, you have to understand it's a temporary fix. It may get you six months to a year, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to turn back milky again because the ultraviolet rays of the sun have deteriorated that protection that it had when it was built. So ultimately, you're going to wind up having to replace the headlights. Right. 
But if you're just trying to get by, I mean, the shop can can definitely make them look like new again. And depending on how long it sits out in the sun each day is how long that's going to last. Right. Okay. Uh, less than $200 uh, fl- a headlight? Oh, no, it's nothing like that. I mean, in, in an hour's time, you can do both, both headlights. It's Most shops are $75 to clean up the headlights. Okay. It's not a big deal. Well, putting the clear coat on is a great tip, too. Thank you so much. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. So uh, what what can you, oh, with my new car, what can I do to help it not get scratchy and, and milky and yellow? Put the ceramic coating right on top of the headlight lens. Oh, okay. You can put it on all your plastic trim, your headlights, your tail lights, and it will amaze you what it does for you. There you go. That's interesting. All right. Thank you, Cynthia. I'm glad I'm glad you asked that for me. Let's go to Oh, it's our friend Mike, the windshield guy. Mike, we are so glad I see you on Facebook and we're so glad that you've called in today. What's going on yes, with ma'am. you? I was just listening in for I started on another uh a door glass job here and uh the uh the guy from the body shop was talking about uh, the recalibrations and, and all that stuff. There is, they do have, it's what's called static, and you have to set the car, like he said, check the air pressure. you got to measure the fenders, all this stuff, um, measure the taillights, and it's got a it's got a set of specs for each car. And, uh, and then you set up placards, like he said, and that camera that's mounted in the box that mounts to your windshield is seeing the road out there, right? And so if, if, if the installer puts the glass in a little bit out of whack, just say, you know, heck of an eighth of an inch, even, you know, on the road, 20, 30 feet ahead of the car, what it's looking at, that's going to translate into a couple of feet, most likely. Yes. Um, the jig that's mounted, that they, the jig that they use when they put the glass together, they, it's got these pegs or some sort of a bracket that your camera's going to click into, right? Um, I'm going to tell myself, but I've been doing this for years, and we're pretty good about getting them they need to be as far as setting them back in the same way um not always using oem parts um there's also a thing called dynamic calibration where the car basically is doing it itself anyway like it when you drive the car it's going to automatically recalibrate there's a guy over in vicksburg that's got the machine it's like 30 grand for this machine which is the reason i'm I'm not doing them um i see plenty of old cars so it doesn't really hurt me yet but Hopefully, I can retire by the time that's a big deal. But uh, but that that dynamic thing, you can put it in the car and watch it happen as it's doing it. Um, I know for sure the Honda uh, Odyssey is the only car that that's what made my guy uh, is because he had a Honda freak out on him, and it was trying to it was trying to tell the people they were running off in the ditch and hitting the brakes for him and all kind of crazy stuff, and uh, he couldn't he couldn't deal with that, you know, but. Um, anyway, I, could, I guess I just wanted to chime in, man. I heard you guys talking about that, and that's definitely right up my alley. You know what I mean? Well, we appreciate <laughs> you coming, calling us. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah, that, yes, ma'am. That uh, issue you brought up about the box in the in the windshield and all, what what happens is uh, you're right. If it's off just a, even a fraction of a degree, uh, what's happening out in front of that vehicle is not the it's not really a true uh, event that's happening. So for all these cars that have adoptive cruise control, where they try to slow down when the car in front of it slows down, it may slow down like it's supposed to, and it may slow down too late because we've had people come in and say, ever since I had my windshield put in, my car's throwing on brakes now, or it's, it's, it's almost letting me run into cars, and we're having to, we're having to see, you know, see to it that they're recalibrated properly. That's right. 
I'm Liz Gill, but our expert is Coach Charlie Milton, ASC Certified Master Technician. It's time for Coach Charlie's Tip of the Week. Well, Liz, I was thinking about, since we're talking about different shops working on different uh, vehicles and all, I said our Tip of the Week should be that all consumers should check the Better Business Bureau on the shops, if it's an automotive shop or a body shop, to make sure there's no reports on those different uh, uh, shops. It's probably more reliable than Yelp. Yes. All right, Mike and Richard, hang on. We have an email, uh, Coach, about the spark plugs. I am not going to read this whole thing. Uh, This is from Joe. What advice do you have for Joe about his spark plugs? Well, one good thing about this, Joe, you said that the uh, oil, it looked like it was milky around the top of the spark plug, above the threads. As long as it's not below the threads, it's not going in the cylinder. What happens on that hot engine, it sweats, and you may have an oil leak coming out of your valve cover that's going on top of that spark plug uh, because they have a little gasket on the valve cover. And what's happening is that it's uh, leaking a little oil and the condensation's getting on top of it, and that's what you see. So as long as you put a new spark plug in it and it's not in the cylinder, you're good to go. All right. And one last email before we go to Mike. Uh, uh, John Carmen wants to know, what about ceramic sprays at car washes? You know, it's, it's cheap to get the ceramic spray put on at the car wash, and if that's the best you're going to do, then that's fine. Do it uh, because it's better than no protection. It's not going to hold up like a, a hand-applied ceramic spray or, or certainly not like a ceramic coating, but it's better protection than not having any protection. Fantastic. All right, now let's go to Hernando. Our friend Mike is on the phone. Mike, we're so glad you've called into AutoCorrect today. What's your question or comment? Um, I've got a comment first for John, and then related to that comment, a question for him. Um, I have lived all over the United States, and I religiously park my car, which has clear-covered headlights facing north to keep those away from direct sunlight and it's helped but i also have a question the question is i saw on youtube that they somebody was suggested taking just a toothpaste like colgate toothpaste or something and soft cloth and working that into those clear covers and then washing it off and wiping it off and then it, it will help clear them up is that true or is that just a bunch of hooey that's that's mostly snake oil it's mostly smoking mirrors. You could try it. If they're not very bad, you may improve them some, but you're not like the lady that called in a while ago that where they've turned yellow and milky. You can stay out there till yeah. your elbow falls off, and you're not going to make those look good with toothpaste. Yeah, Mike, what you're really yeah. doing there, they're saying that that toothpaste has grit in it like sandpaper, you know, mm-hmm. because you brush your teeth with it, and that's what they're doing. They're rubbing that in there like sandpaper to clear that uh, plastic up. Mm-hmm. I suspected that. Well, thank you. I, I hope that that lady was listening because it really helps to pay. park your car when you can facing north so the headlights aren't facing south towards the sun, and it'll prolong their, their clearness. That's a fact. Thanks for the tip, Mike. We appreciate it. Let's hey, go to Madison are. and see what's up with Richard. Richard, we're glad you've called into AutoCorrect. What's your comment or question? Uh, yes, this is for John. I, I just want to thank him for uh, what he does for the veterans every year, flying guys around and in the old airplanes, and uh, I just wondered what the difference in paint was for a car versus an airplane. And I'll get off the line, and once again, thank you so much for what you do for veterans every year. Well, thank you for the recognition. We're always proud to do that. That's the least we can do for what they've done for our country. Uh, The difference in in paint for airplanes and paint for cars can, can vary. You can use the same paint you use on a car on an airplane. However, it's going to be a little bit heavier. It's going to take more coats. 
uh, at our air, at our uh, airplane uh, shop, we use only Exalta aer- uh, aerospace products because you don't have to put as many coats on. It's lighter, but yet it holds up great. Uh, it's probably the best the best you can buy, and it's more expensive. But with an airplane, you want to think about weight and longevity, and, and we found aerospace finishes are better than the automotive finishes. Well, one thing I've noticed, you know, when you get a new car, you start noticing cars, um, the colors. I guess there's a fashion council somewhere that decides what color this year's cars are, are going to be. What have you seen? What's trendy now or what's trendy for people to paint their cars? You know, for me as a painter, uh, and that's always been my passion is paint, but it's exciting to see some of the colors coming back, some of these blues and reds and, and the different greens and things like that, even the yellows, because, you know, you, we got into a deal where everything gray was the most popular color for any car. And I still like a lot of grays, but, but you know, it, they were either gray, white, or black. Right. So now you're starting to see all these colors again, and I think that's great. People are liking them. The cars are selling. Uh, it's, it's just kind of refreshing to see that happening. My daughter and I have a joke. She has kind of a robin's egg blue car, and she loves it because she can walk out of the grocery store and scan and knows exactly which one hers is. And I've joined the white SUV club, and I feel like I'm incognito. I'm, I can use it as a getaway car because if they Everybody's say white. it's a white SUV, and oh, wasn't me, wasn't yeah, me. Because but if you the tell the truth, Lee, you, you have to walk outside, hit your uh, hit your horn button sometime to find your it. SUV. <laughs> okay, here's the joke. Here's the joke. We we parked in the back of the parking lot because you got a new car. You don't want it to get dinged, and uh, we have a specialty license plate. You know, one of these don't things and so the husband says oh i'm always going to know which is my car because it's the white suv with the specialty license plate we go out there you know walk past the front of the back go to the back one lane is completely empty it's us another white suv with the exact same specialty (laughs) license plate we just howled laughing that it was exactly the same well, I got one more question before uh, John leaves us. Um, tell us a little bit about the Consumer Bill of Rights. The Consumer Bill of Rights is a project that uh, former Attorney General Jim Hood worked on. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of issues with people saying, you know, my insurance company told me I can't get this done or they're not going to pay for this or that. So he put together a, a council, if you will, that were body shops, uh, insurance companies, people from the insurance commissioner uh, commissioner's office and from the Attorney General's office. And we all sat at a big round table for, I guess, eight or ten meetings over a period of about a year, and he collected data. He, he involved all of the uh, original makers of the cars and the aftermarket suppliers of parts. And his, uh, his thing was, I want to know how all this stuff works together. I want to know how crash tests work, you know, why we have these repair procedures that we say have to be done and why certain parts have to be used. And the OEs, and when I say OE, I'm talking about the makers of the vehicle, they were very forthcoming. They brought they brought data with them. They showed uh, videos and pictures and evidence of crash tests and how the crash tests that they actually do uh, determines the repair procedures. Well, the, the aftermarket people wouldn't show him much of anything. So you can you can pull up his Consumer Bill of Rights on the Secretary of State's website or the Insurance Commissioner's website, and you'll see that in one page, 
it defines what a proper repair is that you should be entitled to as a consumer, saying that your repair should be based on procedures specified by the manufacturer and parts made by the manufacturer or parts proved to be equal to the manufacturers. Well, we'll try to make sure we have that on the show information for this show. Also, in legal terms on August 9th, we did talk about insurance. So there's good to know. John, thank you. We hope you won't be a stranger. We'll have you come back. Thank you, ma'am. So glad to have you on the show. Thank you for uh, Charles, our intern, for being our call screener today. Thank you, Jay White. He keeps us all on point. Thank you, Coach Charlie. We appreciate you coming in. What a trooper you are. Thank you so much. I'm Liz Gill. Thanks for listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.